Welcome to No Helmet Required, the original Cedar Cove podcast, in which I, Auntie Karen, and my two friends, Auntie Sarah and Uncle Brian, provide a play-by-play of each and every episode of the original Hallmark dramatic series, Cedar Cove. Auntie Sarah, Uncle Brian, would you like to introduce yourselves? I'm going to start. Yes, why don't you go first? (laughs) I was thinking we could introduce ourselves by... um, saying if we were to enter a professional fighting competition and we were to be introduced and then to walk out into the octagon, yeah. what song would be our walkout song? Mm. It's a song that it could, you know, be a song you identify with or it could be a song that you've chosen to intimidate your opponent. Uh. Um along these lines. Yeah. Mm. So um <clears throat> I'm, I'm Auntie Karen. And I have so many different ideas. So my longest running idea that I've been thinking about ever since it came out, it's a bit obvious, but I'll just be basic and choose it. It's LL Cool J. Uh, Mama said knock you out. Mama said knock you out. I'm going to knock you out. Don't call it a comeback. I mean, it's just a good song. It's got a good driving beat. You've been here for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I have a much more subtle choice. I'm just going to go with the second choice here just to round things up. My more subtle choice, I'm going to copy from my friend Brenda. This is her idea. And it's you 2 she moves in mysterious ways. Oh. Which I think is also kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Just some ideas. Yeah. Just some ideas. So, um, what would you walk out to? I'm still thinking about she moves in mysterious ways. That's a good one. I have one. It's also, it's a little weird mm-hmm. and a little subtle. Yeah. Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights. He oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's me, Kathy. Yeah. Oh my Let god. Me in. I'm so cold. Please <laughs> open the window. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's so gothic. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, let me have it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's me, Kathy. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> if I were your opponent, scary. I would be yeah. terrified. What if I came marching down the aisle to the octagon doing the Kate Bush songs dance? Yeah, if you did that dance, oh, it'd be creepy. It'd be all over yeah, the it'd place. It'd be awesome. I'd win by default. You'd have, yeah, you'd have a psychological advantage. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Uncle Brian? Um, I mean, probably the most obvious one, which has sort of been a psych-up song for me for decades now, is Peter Gabriel's Big Time. Oh! Um, which is a good one. That is, <laughs> That'd be fantastic. That's so adorable! Uh, yeah. Big Time! I'm on my way, I'm making it. <laughs> but actually, the one, the one that actually first came to mind, so um, not because it's very intimidating, but just because it's sort of presents an attitude and sort of marks me as kind of trashy, which is kind of what I think oh. my well, I would want to come across as yeah. would be your love by the outfield. Um, oh <laughs> I just you're Years ago, there was a player on the Colorado Rockies, and that was his walking up to bat music. And I thought that was just the trashiest thing, but in such a good way. Like, I was like, oh, that is something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I just thought of one more. Is it terrible if I think of one more? No. No. Okay. Okay. 
So I, you, you all may have already know about this, but I very just recently realized that Britney Spears <gasps> did a cover of Bobby Brown's <gasps> My Prerogative. I did not know that. Yes. Oh my God, that's perfect. It's been my second song oh. re- lately, so it's I pretty mean, good. Yeah. Britney Spears There's is such a an ton of good woman. Yeah. Britney Spears psych up songs. Oh. Yeah. You can do walk out too. I like that a lot. Yeah. I can do what I want to do. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I also like Gloria Gaynor's uh, Do It Yourself. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah. True. I like it. So many it, options. We were going to yeah. have a disco well, one. It'll be that This one. question relates to sort of. the title of season three, episode eight, and Brian is now going to walk us through it. Yes. So the title of this episode is the, quote, The Good Fight, end quote. Dear aunties, I did not know this, but it turns out that the origin of the phrase, the good fight, is from the Bible. It's from St. Paul's letter to Timothy, Tim, um, Timmy. <laughs> in, which, in which Paul provides pastoral guidance for said Timothy's ministry in Ephesus. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, in the King James Version, Paul oh exhorts God. Timothy to, quote, fight the good fight of faith. End quote. What? Yeah, I had no I idea. had no Isn't idea. Isn't that something? Fight the good fight of faith. Yeah. Wow. Well, you would have looked up the yeah. history of I that phrase. didn't quite know how to get into this episode, and then that occurred to me. <laughs> Once I learned this background, the importance of this episode title struck me with almost revelatory clarity. Oh, no. Because this is an episode about people standing up for their most cherished beliefs oh, in a battle with a dark and unbelieving world. This is an episode, then, about conflict and heroism, with our beloved main characters embedded in a lineage that we can trace back to the early fathers of the church. Oh, my God. You're blowing my mind. (laughs) And so... Brian, none of us deserve you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, dear listener, Brian went to Harvard for this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting my degree to better use than most of my classmates, I will say that. Um, By my values. Um, And so, let us begin our devotional practice of recapping this inspirational episode. Oh my god! (laughs) So we have a G story, and in a G story, grace battles with logistics and the internet... (laughs) To organize the swap. Oh my god, the swap. The swap. Okay. Sort of. Well, it's an everything swap. Is it a brain swap? I wish. (laughs) So this story begins with Grace and her hair extensions in Olivia's chambers. Grace and her hair need help planning a town event because, though I do hope you have repressed this knowledge, Grace is still the town manager. Still? And thus has to plan all of the ridiculous town events. Yeah, that kind of disappeared last episode, but it's back. Uh, this time, it's the quote-unquote second-hand swap, where the townsfolk bring their unused, unneeded junk and swap it for other unused, unneeded junk. Oh, man. Apparently, it's just one of many different swaps that happen annually in the Cove. As Grace notes, quote, Covers love a good swap. Oh, my God. That sounds a little nasty. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. I know, because I slept with Bob. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Covert, the, the swap and Covert's loving a swap. This is news to Olivia. It's also news to me. Mainly because <laughs> the writers invented this fact for this specific episode. Um, yeah. Right. This is another one of these annual events that happens every year in Cedar Cove <laughs> that don't exist until all of a sudden they do. Right. Yeah. That like, we learn about in season three. And we're all getting gaslighted. Oh, this happens every year. We're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, Grace's problem, it seems, is that she needs to secure a venue for said swap, and she doesn't know where to begin. As a not very committed viewer of this series, I personally can think of five venues off the top of my head. In fact, here's a hint. Hold it in the same place you held it last year. Yep. Yeah. That was my thought, too. Like, it was somewhere last year. (laughs) Why can't it be there? Why can't it be there again? There's the park. There's down by the marina. There's any number of parking lots. There's any number of parking (laughs) lots. There's There's the big lawn at the Time and Tide. I mean... Oh, the lawn at the Time and Tide is ginormous. What about the burned-down gazebo? There's the burned-down gazebo. gazebo. There's the pier where the restaurant burned down. Yep. Um, There's all kinds of burned-down places. Yeah. There's a lot of burning. Yeah. Olivia, however has no ideas. She can offer no help. Oh my god. Cut to Grace's house. As her increasingly unrecognizable daughter, Mary Ellen, walks in, character-wise, Grace is yelling at her laptop like an elderly person. (laughs) Don't do this! Don't you dare do this! She keeps yelling. As she explains to Mary Ellen, she's still stressed about finding a venue for the secondhand swap, and now, quote, the internet is down. End quote. It's down. It's down. Mary Ellen, because she is under the age of 50, presses one button and fixes the internet. Wow. (laughs) Done and done. Grace then asks her if she knows a large area where the swap could be held. Oh my god. Mary Ellen says she knows of no large areas, which is obviously not true. Then she muses that she went to swaps in New York City, but that, quote, they couldn't hold a candle to the Cedar Cove swap, end quote. Which is even more obviously not true. <laughs> right. <sighs> Finally, Mary Ellen suggests they start calling venues. And Grace says that's a brilliant idea. Oh my god. Hadn't occurred to her. Grace says they will call every business in Cedar Cove that has a parking lot. And then she starts listing them. Then she tells Mary Ellen to start writing them down. And to make her some tea. And just like that, Mary Ellen has become a volunteer assistant to the volunteer <laughs> town manager. Oh my god, Mary Ellen. I, how many times a day does Mary Ellen wander around going, like, what has my life become? Like, yeah, right? She doesn't appear to manage the art gallery anymore. Like, no. I don't think she got her job yeah, back at the art gallery. Um, Jern's gone. Grace makes her do. Yeah. Maybe she just lives in the house for free rent and then she just does whatever Grace needs. And she goes and talks to her loser friends at Central Perk. Yeah. She's so. become a ghost. <gasps> she is kind of a ghost of kind herself. Of. Yeah. yeah. Or Mary Ellen. Yeah. So later, as Mary Ellen and Grace and Grace's hair extensions leave Moons, <laughs> we learn that Mary Ellen has convinced Moon to let them use his courtyard for the swap. Hey, there was another idea. Oh my God. Grace is thrilled. Mary Ellen said she did it because she loves Cedar Cove and she loves living there and helping Grace. But, says Grace, don't you love your estranged husband, mayonnaise corpse, Jern Berman? <laughs> mayonnaise corpse. <laughs> Mary, Mary Ellen reports that they are trying to work things out and she does miss him. I can say with confidence that she is the only one that feels that way. Then, in what is supposedly a heartwarming moment, Grace says she is here for Mary Ellen, for support, for talking, for listening, and for ice cream. Congratulations, Mary Ellen. You're not just working for your mom. 
you're also dating her. <laughs> Thus endeth the G story. And that was it, right? We didn't actually see the swap. No, we? they didn't even put any Wait, money into even, actually having a swap. They didn't actually For serious? Have a swap. Yeah. For serious. It wasn't one of those things where everything builds to the swap at the end of the show no. and then everything gets resolved there. Like, it just didn't happen? They just didn't have the money to do a swap scene. On the courtyard? Uh-huh. At Moons. I mean, that is easy. You just get a bunch of... You just get a bunch of dimwits together with <laughs> some paper bags full of crap, and you just have them saying watermelon, watermelon, watermelon behind everyone else. And yeah. looking like they're better than New York. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine how any SWAT could be better than any SWAT in New York City. <sighs> no, I know. The city that has anything and everything. Right. Well, Cedar Cove is the best place on earth to live. It's true. They're not going to let Olivia us Olivia and Jack that. have already talked yeah. about this a number of times. I guess uh. that's true. All right, F story. Woo! In our F story, Luke. No! <laughs> battles against Justine. No! To live child free. <laughs> I what? Know. Oh, oh, you're going to like this, this one. You've got to be kidding. You're going to like exciting. this one. so ridiculous already. Yeah. Oh. Aboard the SS Brokeback, Luke, <laughs> Seth 3, is engaging in some homoerotic horseplay with Matt... Seth four, <laughs> you know, snapping towels, giving wedgies, shoulder rubs, etc. Oh my um, god! He asks Matt how PTSD group is going. You know, the one that last episode he convinced him to go to. Matt says it's great and he's totally cured. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be seeing his family next weekend. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was well, that easy. Was so easy. He's going to go to the group therapy weekend? group. Yeah. Yeah. Done and done. Wow. Yeah. Singing, uh, some foot massages. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about one thing that they should have done in therapy. Yeah, what? what? They should have hit each other with styrofoam bags. <gasps> oh, to take out aggression? Oh. Yeah. Shirtless. Duh. Yeah. And pantsless. Uh, yes! <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> um, it worked. So then Luke says he doesn't know how Matt can handle having kids. <laughs> oh my, well he doesn't. Um, really. Apparently he doesn't because he doesn't at all. Yeah, Matt off. doesn't handle it, right? Sorry. <laughs> and Matt says Luke will find out someday. But no, Luke says, he doesn't want kids. Because he's worried he might pass on his lycanthropic curse <laughs> to a new generation. I don't want to curse the next generation. I don't my want my kids to have this thing. <laughs> Condition. I'm not, I'm not like other guys. I'm not like other guys. <laughs> um, Matt asks if Justine knows that Luke doesn't want kids. And Luke says they haven't talked about it yet. Matt, because he's now some kind of an expert on relationship communication... Oh, my God. He went to group therapy group once. Yeah. <laughs> says, that's kind of a big thing to not talk about. But Luke reasonably rep replies that they just started dating. Yeah. And he really does say, we just started dating. Dating. I don't know where that G went, what? but it How? wasn't there. Is that true that they just started dating? I mean, I feel no, like... No, they started dating. Dating. I mean... It feels like years ago now. It feels like... A millennium. Yes. <laughs> At least a year. At least. No, but really, like, in showtime, how long do you think they've been together? I think just since like, the beginning of season three, all right? All of season three. This is episode eight. Eight, yeah. And, but, how, but how much time they, are we going... And they knew each other and were hanging out before that, because they yeah. went to the Navy prom together. Uh, that's true. Oh, God. And there was a lot of hanging out and feelings and journaling and... But my imaginary boyfriend... She was with Seth, but they, I mean, you think yeah. they would have, they, I feel like they've been together long enough that yeah, they would at least say a little bit dating. like, 
where do you see yourself in a few years sort of thing. And they're kind of at that age where, I mean, yeah. Justine... She's in her 40s now. Her eggs are drying up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And she's probably thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, Matt says that Missy started talking about kids on their third date. Women are such morons. That's the message yeah, this that episode was... is giving us. Missy was talking about Missy was talking about having children popping out kids on our third date. <laughs> but instead <sighs> of telling Matt that there's something seriously wrong with Missy, yeah. Luke looks like he's worried there's something wrong with him and his relationship with Justine. Hmm. How early should one discuss kids, aunties? And don't werewolves have a moral duty to not reproduce? <laughs> I think so, right? Um, so, the gene for werewolfism... Yes. Lycanthropy. Yes. Does it... Is it recessive or dominant? Or... Uh, um, because I just, taken if biology. If Justine... <laughs> Wait, no, you know, with the little, the... With, with the Punnett squares. Yeah. The Punnett yeah, squares, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, right. could, we could calculate the chances we could. if we, we knew. Could. We yeah. could. And Justine, uh, as far as we know, has no history in her family. So it's unlikely <laughs> that she has the recessive gene. Yeah, but she's right. got her own problems. True. Imaginary mice. Yeah. 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 Uh, twins running her family. Yeah. That'll come back. Oh, oh. That will come back every second generation on the mother's side. Oh, it'll also come back in my recap. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I we'll feel... keep returning. Well, I mean, the odds? I guess it depends on how you meet because on, from what I understand, on the computer apps... On the computer You, you say oh, on there... Oh, Yeah. You know, if you're if it's a, one of those yeah. ones, you say like wants kids, have kids, yeah. whatever, yeah. and you sort of I think one weeds that that's a criterion that's sort of before you even meet. But if you meet yeah, just you, could. you know yeah. at the thrift store sorting <laughs> flannels for PTSD veterans, which is how she met Luke, right? Um, yeah, then maybe, maybe that comes up. I mean, they've been dating for a while. And they've been yeah. dealing with heady things. And they've been like, sleeping together, like, right? Yeah. Probably? Well, yeah, probably. His PTSD. They, yeah. He pawed her in that field in episode one. Oh, that's right. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, were, they were looking at the stars. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. I feel like they would have... Okay. I, I don't know. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's just an idiot tigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, was talking about kids on third date. Well, that's Matt. Yeah, well, they've now merged. Yeah, into they're the both same idiots. Yeah, I mean, they're both Seths. Um, yeah, both Seths. They're both <laughs> Seth iterations. So Seth, yes. Okay, so later, Justine and Luke are sitting on a. Bench! Boat! Boat! Boat. Boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got us! <laughs> they, or a beach! There are three. There are three they're bees. sitting on a boat. Yeah, a he's, boat adventure beach. Yeah, exactly. He's clearly been thinking because you can see the beads of sweat and the froze and his fine <laughs> brow. He asks where she sees herself in 10 years. She says she wants to be married with twins because she and Dead Jordan were twins, and she wants to create a new Dead Jordan. <laughs> she it's also like Frankenstein. <laughs> I will create it. She also wants a Labrador named Buddy oh and God. a house. Justine. Luke is surprised that she's planned it all out, but he probably shouldn't be. What else does she have to do all day? <laughs> I just um, like this is so basic. 
<laughs> like, Justine is a basic bitch. She is. She's just like a dog named Buddy. I mean, she the most a popular dog in the country. With and the I'm going to name it the most generic name. name I could think of. Also, like, if you want a dog, you can just go have a dog right now. Go get like, a you don't dog. have to. It's true. You don't have to be married and have twins to get a dog. But then just the dog won't dog. have two parents. <laughs> <laughs> The dog will be raised by a single mom. By a single mom. <laughs> it's worse than being raised by wolves. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, that's ridiculous. Can she, Can you imagine her having two teen wolf twins? No. That'd be hilarious. And it's so weird that she didn't, like, she's in grad school, and she didn't say anything about, like... A career? Yeah, like, I'll have my own practice, or yeah. I'd like to um, have my license. I'll work right. at the or, VA. I'll work at the VA. Yeah. Doing no. something other than folding flannels no. for right. PTSD veterans. No, nope. that's not. No, it's just it was just like ma- first thing was married, then twins, yeah. then the retriever named Buddy, then the alien, then, then the house. Yeah. Well, okay. this sucks. <clears throat> yeah. Then she asks him about his future, and he says he doesn't know. He's going to go with the flow, but he does know <laughs> that it doesn't involve kids. She says she may just be the woman to change his mind. Uh, wildly uh, overestimating uh, uh, her uh, charisma. Yeah. <laughs> Alas, he says, even her groverific powers of persuasion <laughs> will never change his mind. It's just not something he ever wants to do. Then Justine gets a really creepy and serious look on her face, <laughs> like an unlocked car on the top floor of an empty parking structure late at night. That's what it reminded me of. I'm just wondering. And so in the theft story. Yes. That is genius. And I'm wondering, has Justine Ever. Could it be myself? Has Justine ever changed anyone's mind about <laughs> anything ever? No! Like an unlocked car at the top of the I'm just picturing this slightly sinister looking unlocked car under like the last light up there yeah, in the darkness. Dashboard's yeah. a little busted. Yeah. Everything's a little her. busted. Yeah. It's terrible music. Ugh. It's cold. You can smell the cold. Mm-hmm. Oof. So I'm a fan of Luke here. Um, and I, <laughs> as a child-free adult. Sure. Yeah. I would just like to point out to Luke that one of the delights of gay male culture is that the default <laughs> expectation is that relationships will be child-free. Even in our present age of homonormativity, that's still the default. So that might be something for him to consider. Yeah, just, he might think about just that. Just, you know, yeah. it might he be, might find more acceptance. Yeah. It might be a community he feels himself very comfortable in. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so too. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no irritating women trying to no. yeah, right? trap him into having cubs. I think I'll change your mind for you. <laughs> Open our cubs. We'll be so cute. Open up. And play with our dog. <laughs> Dead wolf join. They'll all use the same anti-flea shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got an e-story. In our e-story, Warren oh. fights for his God-given right to torment his enemies. <laughs> As Olivia leaves her courtroom, Grace and her hair extensions ambush her in the hallway. Grace's hair has heard that Olivia <laughs> sold her share of Charlotte's house to Buck Saget. Wait, what? Yeah. 
That's not right. Dear listener, I truly did not see that coming. No. Surprises are all too rare on the show. So let's celebrate this one. Yes. Oh my god. So that must have been what the envelope yeah. was at the end of the last episode. Is Warren, yeah, saw the signed papers or the contract oh. that Yeah, that Olivia has sold so, Charlotte's yeah, house. So Olivia to and Buck. Warren used to own the house yeah. together. And then she sold it to Buck, so now Buck and Warren own the house together. It's like the devil and the devil in yeah. bed with the devil's father. Yep. Mm-hmm. He hates that. Uh, it's awesome. Oh my god. He's pretty been bamboozled. Yeah. It's pretty great. So Grace's hair has heard this cheese made from Cliff, but she hopes it's wrong. Because if it's not, she owes Cliff a foot rub. And as she says, she, quote, loves the man, not the feet, end quote. Weird. Which I think actually gives us some useful insight into Grace's kink profile. No foot play. <laughs> yeah. Duly noted. Yeah. Um, Olivia confirms that it is true. And she explains that she couldn't hold on to the memories anymore. That happened fast. That happened um, real fast. At that very moment, Warren barges in annoyed to confront her. She explains that she sold the house to Buck personally, not to Saget Development, so that Warren will never be able to get his hands on it. Unless, I guess, Buck sells it to Saget Development, but whatever. These people are so twisted. Or Buck sells it to someone else who sells it to Saget. Yeah. It, this is not foolproof, Olivia. It's, not, it's really it's not. So, like, how uh, petty and... It is petty. Oh my god. Yeah. Warren accuses her of disloyalty to Will, but Olivia recounts the sordid tale of Will's own disloyalty. So then Warren says it's not too late to call off the sale, but Olivia says the papers are signed and money has changed hands. Finally, Warren says that Buck will just cut up the land and develop it like Warren was planning to do. But, says Olivia, Buck signed an affidavit, agreeing to preserve the land from development in perpetuity. Oh, I'm sure she loved that. Then she tells Warren to get the fuck out of her office. (laughs) Yes! Warren fumes that you fought a saget with a saget. Yeah. Didn't think you had it in you. Well. Then he says, you're loving this, aren't you? To which she replies, I'm not hating it. Oh, my God. After he leaves, she and Grace's hair squeal with triumph and execute a double high five. Then Grace says, I guess everyone's a winner except me. What? Oh, Grace, it's always about you, isn't it? What is she going on about? She's thinking about her upcoming date with quote-unquote stinky cowboy feet. Oh, my God. But now, hold up. Do you really think Cliff expects her to rub his dirty, sweaty feet? Like, is that how anyone does foot rubs? I'm sure he takes a shower first. Yeah, Yeah. like, wouldn't he, or, like, at least wash them, put them in a foot bath. Like, like, does anyone, no, No, he's too considerate to do that. Yeah, no one, like, comes tromping in from the field yeah. with manure on yeah. your no. boots. And on then, your bare feet. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, here, rub yeah. my stinky feet. I don't buy it. Yeah, All right. Cut to Justine in Buck Saget's office because apparently she was responsible for making the deal between Buck and Olivia. Oh my god. I guess she is the power broker. Wow. Justine. That's crazy. He, Buck, praises her efficiency and her no-nonsense style. He says they have a lot in common, including that they don't suffer fools. Oh, my God. Clearly, Buck hasn't noticed the Seth parade over oh the past three seasons. <laughs> Buck says that he wants to get Justine on his team. But she says she's going back to school. I thought... School had already started, start, but yeah, whatever. Like, didn't um, that start yeah, I feel like that already started. Yeah, but whatever. whatever. As she's leaving, Warren comes in and she just snubs him. He's yelling stuff at her, and she just ignores <laughs> it. It's awesome. Okay. Buck tells Warren that he should have never let quote that one get away. What? Uh, her? 
I guess. I guess. Um, Warren accuses Buck of tricking him, taking him fishing to distract him while he bought Olivia's share. Buck explains calmly and rationally how the deal came about. Warren says he's excited to see Olivia's face when Buck tells her he's actually going to develop the land. But Buck has a different plan. He's going to stay in Cedar Cove permanently. He's going to live in his half of the house? And he's going to live in that house. He's going to live in Charlotte's soul. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to inhabit this elderly woman's soul. These people are so messed up. Yeah. He offers to buy out Warren's half so he could have a complete soul to live in. But Warren says no. But Buck has an ultimatum. Quote, Charlotte's house is over. What? The sooner you move on, the better it will be for you. <laughs> Charlotte's <laughs> house is over. I love how they started calling it Charlotte's house in this episode. Oh my god. Charlotte's house is over. How weird. Yeah. Later, Warren is at Moon, sitting there and dumping all of his frustrations with Buck onto a clearly uninterested Moon. Um, yeah, Moon hates him. Yeah. <laughs> Why did they even talk to each other? Right? I don't know. Finally, Moon just world. takes away Warren's coffee mug and says, <laughs> maybe you should just move away. <laughs> I can't be myself for real. I love it. This is ridiculous. Oh my god, I uh, love it. But Warren says he was here first. Moon says maybe he should try to distract Buck with a new project to get him off of this one. Um, Warren says it won't work. Then he asks Moon, why are you trying to help me when you don't like me? And Moon says that Buck has been skimping on his tips lately. <gasps> oh my God. And I think we just learned asshole. something useful about Moon, right? Yeah. yeah. His allegiances will shift. Very yeah, quickly. Depending on the tip jar. Depending on the tip jar. Cut to the Saggots walking down Main Street. Warren cannot understand why Buck even wants to live in Cedar Cove after all those years living in New York. Buck explains that Cedar Cove is like a comforting home-cooked meal after eating out his whole life. As someone who would always prefer to eat at a restaurant, (laughs) I do not understand what Buck is even saying here. I think perhaps he's been going to the wrong restaurants. Yeah. Um, But it's also the second time in this episode where they compared Cedar Cove favorably to New York City. Um, so. Yeah, they keep doing that. Yeah, there's, there's an ideology here. Uh, the final scene in this story is Warren in Alex's office trying to convince her, because she's a woman, remember, um, to scheme with him against Buck. <laughs> she's not willing to do it. She tells him to let the Charlotte house go. <laughs> I guess he's trying to get her to join him in a new development venture, but it's not clear what he's asking her. And besides, didn't he already try something like that? And Buck froze him out of it. Yeah, and her allegiance would be to Buck because he's the one that hired her, and yeah. Warren's always just been a douche to her. Yeah, face Why? it, Warren, you are out of options. <clears throat> um, yeah. You know, aunties, for someone who's supposed to be so ruthless and cunning and sharp, Warren sure got pawned by his dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so endeth the Book of Warren. Pawned by his own dad. Yeah. Well, there will be more? I guess, because there wasn't really an ending to that story. It just sort of petered out. I I, I still don't understand this, like, opposing parties each owning half of a property. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, yeah, no. It just seems like a way for no one to get what they want. Yes. How dumb. Ever. I, yeah. All right. D-story. D-story. In our D-story, Olivia battles against masculine narcissism while blaming it all on women. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Sounds like a good fight. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know, dear auntie, <clears throat> that Olivia has a narcissistic teenage boy living in her house? Oh, her brother? Yeah. Or her dead son? No. <laughs> her brother. Oh, okay. Well, no, the writers... Dead the... Jordan was a sweet boy. He was. Aww, yeah, yeah, Dead Jordan was. was sweet. He was like a prepubescent, right? Well, the writers of this episode clearly want us to recognize that, and they are willing to go to great cartoonish lengths to point out the teenage narcissism of Will. We open in Olivia's spectacular backyard. She stares happily at the sound. Jack comes up with a coffee. She says, breakfast was delicious, and goes in for the kiss. And then Olivia's cock-blocking brother, Will, interrupts them to complain that there is no milk in the house, by which he means that there is no whole milk, because he will not drink 2%, which is what they have. Oh my god. You may recall, dear listener, that Will is now sleeping in the dead Jordan suite at Olivia's house. <laughs> will tells Olivia to pick whole milk up on the way home from work. She counters that he could pick some up, but he says he's slammed that day. And by that, he means he has a tennis match. Oh, my God. He tries to get Jack or Olivia to join him on the court, and he's incredulous that they both have to work. After he leaves, Jack says he cannot believe Will and Olivia are related. Olivia explains that, quote, It's the fault of all the women in his life. He's never had to do for himself. Oh, Oh boy. So it's Charlotte's problem. It's George's George's problem. problem. It's everybody's... Yeah. Yeah. Jack it's not worries. Will's problem. No, not Will's problem. No. It's the fault of all the women in his yeah. life. Jack worries that the new someone to do for Will will be Olivia, but Olivia insists she won't. Will just needs to learn to take responsibility for himself. Jack, however, is skeptical. So you're going to do what no woman has ever done before, he asks. Again, how did we end up yeah. blaming the women in yeah. Will's life for Will's his narcissistic life. helplessness? Yes. <sighs> Later that day, Will barges into Olivia's chambers and announces that he just won his tennis match. He's exhausted. And why is he there? Because he forgot the key to her house. She asks what his plans are about the living situation in particular. Will says that living with her is wonderful. Quote, this is great, right? Living together, getting to know each other. End quote. Mm. Olivia is noncommittal and says that if he's going to stay, he will have to help around the house. And she hands him a list of chores. That she already had written out. Yeah. It was like just, like she wrote out a list of chores for him and they're just on her desk. Yeah. Here's a list of things you can do to help out around the house now that you're going to be living with me. Wow. I already took the liberty of writing it all out this morning. Wow, 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 wow. Why? Uh, He also has his feet on her coffee table. Yes, he does. And he's sweaty. Ew. Yeah. So that evening, Olivia arrives home to find Luke fixing things, while Justine and Will supervise. (laughs) He's up doing, changing light bulbs and stuff. Apparently, Will has delegated all of the chores that Olivia gave him to Luke, which is actually pretty brilliant. Yeah, that's very smart. Olivia, like the stern mother that she is, says she wanted Will to do those things. Will says it doesn't matter because the things got done. He says... I'm a delegator. My strongest skill is knowing other people's strengths and weaknesses. Oh, my God. And he clearly knows that Luke's strengths are taking orders and howling at the moon. (laughs) Will invites Justine and Luke to stay for dinner and then says to Olivia, what is for dinner? Oh, my God. (laughs) This is so over-the-top, heavy-handed. It is. It's ridiculous. 
Justine tells Luke she's so pleased that her mom and Will are getting along so well. Luke is confused and says it doesn't look to him like they're getting along at all. <laughs> Justine has such keen interpersonal observation skills, doesn't she, oh aunties? God. She's going to make a great social worker. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh. So much insight. Yeah. The next day, or week, or month, or whatever, time doesn't really matter on this show, um, Olivia confronts Will again. She says he has to be accountable. She's not going to take care of him like his wife did. He says he didn't ask her to. But she says he is doing exactly that. He's not having it, though. He says she likes doing everything for people. And he says she knows he's right. Then he stomps up to his bedroom, slams the door, blasts Husker Du, and dyes his hair blue. <laughs> Poor Olivia, teen boys are just the worst. So saith the Lord. suddenly get transported from the Pacific Northwest to like 1980s Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's about that. where I yeah. I just I why do we have to watch this? I don't like why don't Will pointless. just slink off, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, my plan didn't work. Guess I'll just why not go somewhere else where yeah. he has friends Anywhere. or is wanted or People like him because nobody likes him in Cedar Cove. No. <laughs> and why do the writers think, oh, a neat plot point this season will be to have Will low-grade annoy Olivia a lot. Like, and that's pretty much <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Like, he's not going to break up relationships. It yeah, starts at, out with a hostile takeover. Yes, that's true. Of their mother's home. Yeah. But then you'll stick around and just be a sort of minor fly in the ointment. Yeah, and then the music will get all cutesy and staccato and... Yeah. And he'll just be a thorn in her side. Dumb. It's awful. It is terrible. Yeah. Ugh. All right, let's do a sea story. Sea story. In our sea story, Paul is being tested. (gasps) He is fighting against his seduction by a Sammy Hagarian temptress. Oh my god! (gasps) Hashtag. Hashtag. (laughs) At Moon's. Alex is ordering a coffee with just a touch of skim milk. Note, Will would not drink this. No. Right. She is a woman, and she is wearing pink yoga pants. You may also recall her appearances in a number of Van Halen videos. (laughs) Alex has two tickets to the Mariners game that she offers to Moon. But Moon says he's not a baseball fan. Only two episodes after he enthusiastically captained his softball yeah. team and umpired a softball game. What the fuck? Come on, writers. Yeah. You're better than this. Yeah. So much better than this. Are, are, are they? Are <laughs> they? <laughs> well, they're all riding under duress at the bottom of the ocean. That's uh, being screamed at by German producers. Yeah, they're just doing their built. best. It's not. Yeah. yeah. Not their fault. Paul sidles up behind Alex and acts all surprised to learn that she's a baseball fan because sexism. <laughs> Alex invites him to go to the game with her. And gives him her card, which displays only her phone number framed by a lipstick kiss. For real? No. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. But wouldn't that be awesome? That, that would be pretty great. Well, it would match the pink yoga pants. Exactly. And the Sammy Hagar video. And the Sammy Hagar video. Yeah. Um, after she leaves, Moon congratulates Paul on his smoothness because he just got himself a date. Or he just got himself a date. As <laughs> Moon would say. This is somehow news to Paul. Um, he looks confused and terrified. <laughs> uh, 
wait, an attractive woman who's sort of giving me the eye, has invited me to a baseball game and given me her phone number, and I'm shocked that it's a date? <laughs> yes. Yeah, a, a woman who I don't have any relationship with whatsoever. That's yeah. our Paul. Yep. Later, Paul tracks down Olivia by the water to discuss court scheduling, because apparently no one has email. Yeah, what? No. Or like calendar scheduling, or... Doodle, or Google yeah. Calendar, yeah. or... He says he's glad she changed the schedule because he has tickets to a Mariners game with Alex. Mm. Olivia is thrilled because it's Paul's first date in Cedar Cove. Not that anyone is keeping track except Olivia. And that's not her business. <laughs> they oh work God. together. How She's weird. the judge. He's the DA. Uh, Don't go there. Uh, but Paul continues to deny that it is a date. Olivia says that if Alex asked him and is picking him up, it's clearly a date. Duh, why deny it? Paul finally accepts this, but then says he's going to cancel it. Olivia why? can't believe it. It's baseball. She says, Alex is a woman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's short for Alexandra, yeah. Paul. You, you didn't accidentally make a gay date. <laughs> oh, oh my um, god. She's a woman. And she's nice. Oh my god. And then she cajoles him into keeping the date. They banter and twinkle. Ugh, god. Mm. All right. Still later, or the next day, or whatever. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> Paul drops in on Olivia in her chambers. He's decided to pass on the baseball game. Jesus H. Christmas. <laughs> I am so tired of his vacillation on this. So lame. And so is Olivia. She looks annoyed and sad. She says she did the same thing when she was getting divorced. Paul says that he's always hated dating. Olivia tells him to grow the fuck up and get some perspective. <laughs> it's a ride to a baseball game with a hamburger on the side. It's not that big a deal. You'll be fine. I want that. I want that. Yeah, me too. Let's go. All right. Not to the Mariners. That's a long drive. That's a really long um, drive. Yeah. <sighs> Still later, Paul and Olivia are walking down by the seawall again. He brings up his date again because he just cannot talk about anything what else. The hell? So many scenes devoted oh. to will they go on a date this or not. This is so stupid. It's exhausting. Yeah. She teases him that he's finally calling it a date. They run into Jack, and Olivia tells Jack that Paul and Alex are going on a date. Jack says that will make Alex happy because she likes him. Oh. Great. Oh, boy. Okay. Finally, cut to Seattle and Paul and Alex's date. Don't think that the Cedar Cove producers sprang for a shoot. <laughs> In the ballpark, in T-Mobile Park or whatever, no. or Safeco, whatever it was Are called when this was one? shot. Instead, we see the pair eating pizza on some urban steps, like they just found a park with steps and put them on it and huh. fed them pizza. All right. Yeah, like they're just doing that before the game? I guess, or, yeah. I don't know. And where was this hamburger I was promised? Yeah. <laughs> I was told there would be hamburgers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse, Excuse me. me. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, Alex tells Paul she'd wanted to go out with him ever since that disastrous dinner party at Olivia's. That's where they met! Yeah. The dinner party! And then, as they talk some more, it turns out they have some things in common. And Paul relaxes a bit. Van Halen? No, they're both the oldest of six siblings. What? So it's a love that match. very specific. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about it, right? It's, that they And they like, they like pizza. And they, oh, they like pizza. Pizza, baseball... Oldest of six. Yeah. Or oldest of seven because they have six siblings. Oh, maybe so, yeah. Or, uh, not yeah, clear. no. But it was a lot of siblings. It's really a lot specific. of siblings, yes. yeah. And they're both very, oldest. That makes specific. sense in some ways. Yeah. Um, 
It's really, I mean, as, I mean, I haven't dated in a while, but I remember when I used to date, it was really hard to find someone who also liked pizza. <laughs> so when we found what? Someone, yeah, so when I met you? Ben and he liked pizza, I was like, okay, we are <laughs> like, yeah. done. Um, Where else am I going to find anyone else in the world who also? Yes, exactly. We nice. have a ton in common. <laughs> After the date, Paul and Alex arrive back in Cedar Cove. They are still talking about how much they enjoyed the game. It was very exciting. She mentions next time, and he's a bit taken aback. They shake hands. She is not entirely satisfied with this outcome. <laughs> Lo, aunties, thou hast heard the parable of Pollux. Oh my god. Dost thou shippeth this relationship? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it. I mean, they're. Uh, I think that Alex deserves better than Jack. Uh huh. Um, and should not be dating her sponsor anyway. And I think that uh, Paul and Olivia are completely inappropriate. Yes. And at least this sort of gets them out of the other couple's hair. Yes, I know. Yeah, it keeps and I, them, think, I think they have a little bit of chemistry. They stand there on Yeah, they have I think they do too. Yeah. We're just riding towards the apocalypse. I and could not care less. She likes. <laughs> I could not care less. We're rearranging the, the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yes. Um, she. We have already seen she. She likes older men. Yeah. yeah she had yeah. a thing for Cliff. Yep. That's true. Yeah, she does. And she's younger than Paul. Yeah, although she's also aged really quickly. I mean, not necessarily yeah. physically, but just they sort of make her seem older than they right, like make her when she first she was came on, it was like, oh, yeah. she's in her late yeah. 20s, and now she and now she be... had a whole history on Wall Street, and now she's a she could be in her late 30s. Weird. She went to Wharton. Yeah. She went yeah. to Wharton? Yeah, yeah, remember? Oh my god, She has two right. Ivy League degrees. Yeah. She gave it all up to be a ranch hand, uh-huh. and then she gave that all up because cowboys are bad for her, and went back to business. Okay, goodbye. But you're also right, Auntie Sarah. There's no way in hell this is actually going to be a relationship on this show. Like, we're just biding time until the Paul-Olivia thing comes to it. Until the asteroid makes contact. Right. Asteroid! (laughs) (laughs) Ben is the asteroid coming! I don't have anything more than that. I don't have anything for that. There's no asteroid in the final episode of this season. I'm going to be disappointed. All right. Our B story. Yay. In which Jack saith, get thee behind me, Jerry. Oh, no. Get thee behind me. Oh my god, I love it. Wow. As this story opens, Jack is on his way to Seattle to try and convince his boss not to fire Jerry. (laughs) Please don't fire my imaginary friend. I can't do half the job she does. (laughs) Do you need to do that, Jack? Asks Olivia. Of course he does. Jack always has to do what's right. Oh my god. As he leaves, Olivia makes her poop face. (laughs) Dateline Seattle. (laughs) <laughs> Jack is making a case to his boss to not fire Jerry. Oh my god. She's abrasive, he admits, but also honest and fair. 
His boss, David, says Jack's loyalty makes him only makes him want to promote him even more. Oh my god. Backfire! So disgusting. Oh the way they keep talking about Jerry as abrasive is so gendered. So How fucking and so gross. It is. And also, I don't really see any evidence of her being abrasive. I right? mean, she's crazy. Yeah. Because like, she's a figment of his imagination. Like she's like, oh, I like you... I, I'm going to be leaning on you a lot. I think you should start drinking again. Yes. I mean, she says That's things a reason that fire are, yeah, exactly. fire that are but yeah. dumb. For being abrasive. But abrasive? Like, we've never seen her snap at anyone. No. We've no. never seen any her give anyone, like, undue criticism. Yeah, that's true. And, and also, anyone. like, would you fire a man for being abrasive? Nope. I mean, you might work I with him it. if it was a yeah. problem, but yeah. this is just... It's so sexist. It's so dumb. Uh, I'm very disappointed. It is. Not surprised. No. But, yeah. No. Also, David wonders why they are even having this conversation, since Jerry and Jack are the same person anyway. <laughs> and for that matter, so is David, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I guess this whole awkward employment triangle is just happening in Jack's head. Um, it's, I mean, that's the likeliest. Yeah. yeah. He's still stuck in that Starbucks downtown. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, imaginary David wonders whether Jack actually has some other objection to taking this new imaginary position. Yeah. Jack admits that he is worried about becoming management because he will have to, quote, make concessions that might prevent him from, quote, writing the story he wants to write. Oh, my God. Oh, this is is his new drink. I hate it. Right? No more vodka. It's all integrity. Self-righteousness. Yeah, Yeah. integrity. Integrity and self-righteousness. So gross. David says... You have a unique voice. No, you don't. Three of them, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> maybe more. Maybe, maybe more will pop up. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'll get an assistant. And he wants Jack to take the courier to the next level. And he promises not to stand in Jack's way. Jack has until the end of the day to decide. That is not how... That's not how anything works. That's not how it works. Here's an offer. I'm going to FedEx it to you. Yeah. You sign for it. Yeah. Oh, counter offer. I'm going to FedEx that to you. You're going to sign for it. Like this whole, like, you have to decide by the end of the day. Yeah. What? Yeah. No, it's what, true. What? What? And you not wanting this job makes me want to give it to you more. <laughs> yeah, that's really how bosses think. I love it. I want someone who's not fully committed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Frankly, somebody who should be committed. Yeah. Yep. To an asylum. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> So, but you just said that. <laughs> uh, so back at the Cedar Cove Chronicle office, Jack is typing, when Jerry barges in. No! It seems like this hallucination is gaining strength. <laughs> she's now appearing in Cedar Cove, not well, just Seattle. Been. It's been a while. It's been a while yeah. since she's appeared in Cedar and Cove. And she's in his actual office. The hallucination yeah. is definitely getting stronger. Yeah. yeah. Call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> She is furious. Oh, no. Jack says there was nothing he could do to change David's mind and that he hasn't accepted the position. Jerry says he has to turn it down. You owe me, and I'm here to collect, she says. But Jack is incredulous. He says she must be seriously nuts if she thinks he has to turn this job down to pay her back. She says that he owes his his whole profile at the paper to her. She's the one who hired him in the first place. She says, I'm a good friend. I'm loyal, and I got you this job. And Jack says, and I got myself this promotion. Oh! And Jerry says, all you had to do was throw me under the bus. Not how it happens. <laughs> Not true. And then Olivia walks in. No! 
she grimaces at Jerry. Wait, oh, she can see she can Jerry? See her? <laughs> I know. Yeah, this is wait, this changes wait, things. Maybe Jerry's just like a shimmer in the atmosphere. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. She did, yeah, Olivia can see her, so maybe she does exist. Yeah, this was troubling. No, for her. I refuse. Je refuse. Jerry grimaces back at Olivia and ins- insincerely praises her for bringing Jack coffee like a good girlfriend. Ooh, gross. Olivia replies that She's not a pathological narcissist, <gasps> and that she enjoys doing things for other people. What? Yeah, she is what? so where? So passive aggressive. Two things that seemed like a really significant conversational escalation. On yeah, yeah. Part. that like happened. The passive aggressive, fast. like, oh, you're such a good girlfriend, and then you're like, well, I'm not a pathological narcissist. Yeah. Where does also, that come I kind from? of think Olivia is a narcissist. That was the number two. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Isn't Olivia actually kind of a narcissist. Yeah. 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 And Jack. I'm so, is she so talking about right. Jack right now? All the time. How weird. Yeah. yeah. They're all path- mm. narcissists in a barrel. Um, but anyway, Jerry has no response other than her face starting to flicker a little. <laughs> disappear. <laughs> and then Jack rubs it in. Bye, Felicia. He said. <laughs> Wait, he didn't really call it. No, he said by Jerry. Oh, okay, he's like by Jerry. By Jerry, whatever. But I heard by Felicia. But there was the part. Maybe this is coming up later. Maybe I'm confused. But there's this weird part where Jerry says that that she's gonna stay the editor in chief until David, the owner, finds someone to replace her. So if he can't find anyone to replace her, she gets to keep her job. Yeah, Jack is so, explaining yeah, this yeah. to Olivia in the next so, scene. Yeah. Oh, in the next scene. Yeah, sorry. no, no, no. But this what? Is yeah, that's not how firings work. No, 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 you no, can't no. Be if she were fired, they would have security in her office, yeah. but she doesn't have an office, and they'd she be doesn't. putting all of her stuff in a box and escorting her out. She can't be her own interim, like replacement. Right. Okay. Sorry. I'll let you continue. This kind of thing does seem to happen on the presidential cabinet level. Well, <laughs> that's not <laughs> sort of, real life. That person is fired, but they're going to stick around until we get somebody else in there. Yeah. Um, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I guess David is a really smart genius. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So, bye, Jerry. And sh- poof, she disappears in a little cloud of smoke. Um, later, Jack pops by Olivia's chambers. Um he explains what you just said, that if he oh. takes the job, then Jerry loses hers. But if he doesn't, then she'll get to stay indefinitely. That doesn't make sense. Um, it, it's, it's so wrong on so many <laughs> levels. Because uh, that's not what I get. That's not how it works. No, no, no. You All fire her and you appoint an interim editor. Yeah. yeah. If it's not Jack, it's somebody else. It's anyone right. else. It's anyone else. <laughs> and... If you you can't just be like, oh, well, I fired you, but you hang around, and then I'm going to keep looking for other people, and then you can go behind my back and blackmail all these other people into right. turning down the job yeah. so you can stay in that job? Nope. Yep. In, in perpetuity? Nope. In perpetuity. In perpetuity. Uh, Jack says he feels sorry for Jerry. All she has is that job. Oh, my oh, God. Snap. <sighs> we should do sexism bingo. At some point so in one of these gross. episodes. Yeah. Um, Olivia praises his unwavering support and loyalty, even towards someone who doesn't deserve it. Wow. And she says she'll support whatever decision he comes to. Sure. 
Cut to Jack and Jerry in a restaurant in Seattle and Cedar Cove and Jack's head. No, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Somewhere. As if there were any doubt, Jack tells Jerry that he's going to take David up on his offer. Duh. He's going to become the big boss. And then because he's Jack, he asks for Jerry's blessing. Lol. <laughs> she says that he will never get her blessing for stealing her job. And she storms off. That night, Jack and Olivia finally have their romantic date, the one they've been trying to schedule since the beginning of season three. <laughs> Which means it could have been almost three days now. <laughs> Let's go on a date. Not tonight. Not tomorrow. Not Saturday. <laughs> I forgot my purse. You were late. I didn't take my phone. The ferry. The ferry broke down. Last ferry of the night. They got there. <laughs> They look happy to be together, and Olivia asks if they are celebrating something. Jack says yes, he is going to take the job, and Olivia looks a bit hesitant. She asks what his first article will be. He says he is writing, because that's what the editor-in-chief does immediately, right? Is write his first article? What? He says he's writing an editorial about how nobody owns water. Excuse me? Wait, are you serious right now? Yes. I want to poop myself and die. (laughs) I hate this. This is the worst. And despite being a lawyer and a judge and knowing better, she says it's a good idea and she's excited to read it. What is wrong with her and him? And then he gives her a necklace. She says it's pretty, but it's not. (laughs) It's like a little, it's a weird, like, little white round stone in yeah, a weird like a gold setting. It, magnifying glass. Yeah, it was... A little magnifying glass or, or a little... tiny monocle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's what it is. It's a tiny monocle. Yeah. It's for her eyesight. For when but she's scrutinizing and judging someone. I'm surprised she didn't someone. put it on. Yeah. She just put it back in the box and then well, put it in her purse. <laughs> <laughs> that goes like, oh, she like that. That's nice. Just wrap this up. She's and... like, I was having trouble reading the menu. <laughs> actually use one of those at restaurants increasingly if you had a monocle that you whipped out of your breast pocket at restaurants i'd be so happy you know what what if what if that was something that restaurants just started doing like putting a tiny magnifying glass on the table with the salt and pepper oh my god and the rose in a vase i would go to there i would go to that restaurant i know Oh, that it would seems be great. basic. It like, what seem... would you invest? Like ten dollars per magnifying glass, right? and you'd get much. one for each table. Yeah, and you just chain it to the salt cellar so nobody pockets it. Yeah, um, and then people would have so much fun. They'd go wow, 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 and then you could actually read the menu without yeah. digging around. Oh for my your gosh, that'd be great. Can we talk about men giving women jewelry gifts? Yeah, of course. I find, for the most part, this is a gross generalization that I'm about to make, but I don't care. Okay, men give. Horrible jewelry gifts to women. <laughs> horrible. I don't want any man to give me a gift of any jewelry ever at for, any time. For why? Because they, they just don't. They're not. They're not attentive to, to your, the to your to guest the, or to the, the occasion. Or, yeah, it's never. It's it's jewelry style is complicated, it's and complicated they don't understand the personal. nuances. Yeah, it's hard. Mm. It's really it's hard, and I'd rather that they just wouldn't do it. Mm. So you like a nice. Tiffany box with a gift certificate in it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. 
or like a book. Open it. It's a or... gift card. <laughs> <laughs> a gift card is forever. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't want to have to accept the gift of a piece of jewelry that I know I'm never going to want to wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And be like, I love it. It's great. And then I never wear it. And then it's um, awkward. Yeah. And, and I have to like force you know, myself to wear it on very few occasions. Yeah. You know, it's really sweet though. If like you're out and about together and you're sort of in like an antique store, or you're in a fun like vintage store yes. or something and you see something and yes. he's like, oh, you like those? Yeah. And then, that's you know, that's, some that's different. No, yeah, yeah that's you, very sweet, because you've already picked it out. Yeah, yeah, and he paid attention. Yeah. 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 You but can if you, direct some of that Yeah, energy. but if, if you are just getting, like, something random, no and you're like, oh, it. this isn't really my color, or not my style, yeah. or... Yeah. Never yeah. in a million years would I wear this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nope. When have, when have you ever seen me? Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. That's useful. It's good okay. information to have. Pay attention. Now we know this about Auntie Sarah. Yeah, don't buy me jewelry. Yeah. I'm a little more trusting, but... <laughs> I'm not. Okay, so he gives her this monocle. She says it's pretty. It's not... It's a monocle on a chain. <laughs> she's doing a hybrid of joy and poop face concern here. Oh, no. But there's joy there. Like, she's yeah, happy she... that he got this job. Like, yeah. they're yeah. back on a track. But she is concerned about the job. Yes. Which is weird, because she was really pushing for him to get it. And like, yeah. oh, who cares what Jerry says? Right. But now she's like, oh, what if this makes him an alcoholic again? Right. Or something. Yeah, he's going to spend all kinds of time by himself in Seattle ah, and downtown Starbucks. Let's get there. Yeah, but she says she supports him 100%. Now we're in Seattle. I guess it's the next day. Jack has just shown Olivia his new office, but we don't get to see it. So I'm not sure. <laughs> so it doesn't it exist. Okay. Um, she is excited to see him so happy, she says. Then his boss, David, shows up. He tells Jack that he can help him find a place to live in <gasps> Seattle. But Jack says he's staying in Cedar Cove. David says, no, 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 no. This job is more than full-time. It requires him to live in Seattle. You can't force him to do that. You can't force him to do that. And also, where is, like, the actual job offer with the stipulations and yeah. the, like, no. Jack looks dazed. Olivia's face crumbles. How did this not occur to anyone involved? Why did no one actually have a conversation about it? Yeah, why did David not say a million years ago, I want you to to Seattle and be the editor-in-chief? Yeah. Why did Olivia not say, oh, do you think you'll be able to handle this job living in Cedar Cove? Or are you, like, who's going to run? Are they going to expect you to be there all the time? Yeah, are are you going to have to get an apartment? Be there in the middle of the night? Yeah. Are you going to be able to continue running the Cedar Cove? I mean, you probably should live in Seattle. Um, yeah. If well, he has why, this job. why did but, nobody figure that out right. earlier? Yeah. yeah, but who cares? I just want to know how Jerry can get her revenge. Revenge. Any revenge. thoughts, Auntie? How beginneth the book of Jerry? Oh my god, oh, the, book the book of, of Jerry. Jerry. <gasps> oh my god, I'm excited. I don't know. Well, you know, it's going to be Batman themed. It's going to be Catwoman themed. Oh. There's going to be some kind of strange little round man in a sewer someplace helping her out. <laughs> I think that this is what I think. So, um, so Hallmark Channel has this whole thing around when women want to be evil, they poison you. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, thing. that's a thing on the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. So, what, and we've already seen her pushing him towards drinking oh, yeah, in multiple ways over multiple times. Yes. What is she... Um, breaks into his water pipe system and then installs some sort of like slow drip thing where there's vodka coming into his tap water and he doesn't oh. even know it. Or if it's like, and then it just like 
Oh, ever? Yeah, there you go. And, and she just <laughs> dials it up, like you know, just like a little bit so over he's going time. Crazy. So he's no getting more and more him. drunk all oh. day, every day, and he doesn't even know it. And other people are like, "You're drunk." He's Jack. like, "No, I'm not. I have all my chip right here. Water. All I'm drinking is water." And then he throws himself off a building. Oh, oh my Auntie Sarah! It's dark! Sorry. I know. They, okay. Well, Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Well, but then he comes back as a strange little penguin man. Okay. Wait, Jack? Jack does? Well, he throws himself off no, the building. No, so but it's Jerry's revenge, so. Yeah. Oh, well, no, well it's fine. Yeah. Well, I'll it's figure it out. I'm excited for whatever it is. Yeah. Are we ready for an A story? Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, we're not there yet? Yes. Rebecca. Rebecca. Rebecca Jennings, bitch squire. Bitch squire. <laughs> Rebecca defends her ambitions against doubters, malefactors, and somnolence. Oh my god. Yes. Somnolence. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. As the story opens, D.A. Paul rushes into the office of Rebecca Jennings, bitch squire. <laughs> I don't feel right saying that. Um, okay. I'll say it for you. You can. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Who, as you may recall, is his employee. Yes. <laughs> he has urgent need of some legal docs, but Rebecca is asleep at her desk, her head propped on her elbow. I'm kind of jealous. I've never been able to no fall asleep like that. No one can sleep like that. Because Paul is a dick, he drops a large legal tome on the desk to wake her up. She denies that she was sleeping. Even as Paul explains that it was clear that she was sleeping because he kept trying to talk to her. Oh, my God. He suggests that maybe she needs to be taken off the Miller case. It's big and complicated. Rebecca notes that she has met every deadline for the case and that her work has been fine. He says that it's concerning that she was sleeping at her desk. She says it won't happen again. Happen again. Then he threatens her. She's on probation, and if she stays on the case and screws it up, she will lose her job. What? Yep. After he leaves, she looks embarrassed. Later... Gloria chases down Rebecca and asks what she has against her. You may recall that Rebecca has been suspicious of her new neighbor, Gloria, since accidentally discovering a fake ID in her purse. Mm -hmm. Gloria has heard from her old landlord in Seattle that someone has been asking questions about her, and she says she knows it was Rebecca. Rebecca denies it, but Gloria says she doesn't believe her. Says the woman with a fake ID, Rebecca counters. Wow. Gloria says it's not fake, but Rebecca says it is. She checked, and she checked with the sheriff's department, and they've never heard of Gloria. Oh, my God. Gloria protests that she never said she was working for the sheriff. But don't bring that weak-ass shit to Rebecca Jennings. <laughs> no. No. I know what you said. I, yeah, I, I went back and looked. I went back and checked that. Did you? Yeah, she did say she worked yeah. for the sheriff. Oh, yeah, she liar. did. She is a she is lying. And Rebecca knows it. Yeah. As Rebecca stalks off, Gloria looks troubled. Foreshadowing. Mm. Now let's check in with our cedar coven. Yay! Alpha Rebecca is flustered, looking for her glasses. Beta one Justine and Beta two Lynette Sideburns, PA, <laughs> point out that Rebecca's glasses are on her head. Uh, this trope. This trope. Rebecca doesn't like losing face in front of her betas, and she snarls that she is working on a big case and hasn't been getting enough sleep. Lynette, who, remember, is a physician's assistant, informs her that, quote, I work in a hospital, and I can tell you that sleep deprivation is the leading cause of accidents. She does say it just like that. Foreshadowing? Oh, shit. What's going to happen? Foreshadowing? Rebecca ignores it. 
She says she doesn't care, and she notes that she's cranky because Gloria confronted her at the courthouse today. She tells Lynette to talk to her dad, Roy Sideburns, P.I. <laughs> and then it becomes apparent that the Cedar Coven, in between episodes, like off-camera, has apparently asked Roy Sideburns, P.I., to investigate Gloria's background. Amazing. And he's been doing it. Lynette says she talked to her dad, and he told them to stay away from Gloria. Why? asked Rebecca. Well, says Lynette, quote, Unless Gloria is an 80-year-old woman who died last year, Gloria is not her real name. Oh! End quote. Snap! While Justine mentally draws up a plan to figure out if Gloria actually is an 80-year-old woman <laughs> who died last year... Alfred, how could we figure out if she's actually... Is she alive? Is she an animatron? Is she dead? I don't know. Alpha Rebecca lays down the law for the pack. No more being nice to Gloria. Oh my god. That <laughs> <laughs> was so mean, girls. I loved it. Mind. No more being nice. Lynette remains inexplicably curious. But who is she? <laughs> what do you think, aunties? If you were Lynette, would you care? If you no. had some neighbor and you found out she was like, would you be like, oh, I wonder who she is? Or would you say, I no. Don't care? She's a, some neighbor lady. Yeah. She's right. a neighbor lady with another name. Oh, I'd, I'd be dying of curiosity. Okay. I would totally be unless dying of curiosity. Unless she says something like taking my parking spot. Right. Or, yeah, unless she, like, finds a way to irritate me. I don't oh, I'd crap. be probably sneaking around the backside of her house <laughs> in an all-black catsuit with a magnifying glass and a flashlight being Nancy Drew. Oh, You're such God. a sleuth. Yeah. I or, I, I, I mean, that's yeah. the Aurora Tea Garden side of me. <gasps> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Back at the courthouse, Rebecca is trying to take a power nap with an... Quote, open eye sleeping technique. Excuse me? <sighs> but Paul interrupts her. He says he's willing to take on some of her work, but she says she can handle it. When he leaves, she looks exhausted. Cut to Lynette, watching Rebecca stuff her face on the patio at Moon's. And by that, I mean she's eating very quickly. Rebecca <laughs> explains that she only has a few minutes to eat. Lynette says she still looks tired. Then Lynette starts talking about how hot Rebecca's boss is. Oh, don't. Rebecca points out that Paul is her much older boss. And Lynette says that May-December romances are coming back. Huh? Coming back from where? The grave? Yeah. Uh, Also, shut up, Lynette. Shut up. Rebecca says the only thing she cares about is her career. She has plans to be the DA of a large urban center within five years, preferably on the East Coast. Well, she's in the wrong Five place. Years? Five years? Five years. <laughs> she's going to be DA of Philadelphia. <laughs> really fast. Yeah. To which uh, Lynette replies, in all seriousness, when are you getting married and having babies? Is she... Throw her off the boat! <laughs> throw her off the boat! Oh my god. Lynette then explains that she intends to be married within three years... And to have her first child before she's 30, she hopes it's a girl or twin boys, Leo and Max. Excuse me? I guess they'll have twinsy playdates with Dead Jordan 2 and Justine Jr. Yeah. <laughs> the Wolf Boys. Why are they all so basic? They are. They, they, uh, Rebecca's response is appropriately withering. Okay, I'm going back to the real world now. Good for her. As Rebecca leaves, Lynette, for some reason, looks very concerned foreshadowing oh my god is it concerned like an empty car that's unlocked at the top of a a garage no not okay different look the next day lynette is at moons and she gets a call from paul 
How does Paul have her number? These are the details that no one cares about except me. <laughs> um, How did Lynette become her emergency contact? Yes. Yeah. According to Paul, Rebecca didn't show up for work that morning. Oh, no. Oh, no. At the Coven House, Lynette finds that Rebecca's bed wasn't slept in. She never came home last night. She says they should call the sheriff, but Justine says they have to wait 24 hours. Justine, you're such a goody-goody rule follower. That's kill. <laughs> now, why doesn't Lynette think to call her dad the private investigator who doesn't have to wait 24 hours? Again, these are the details no one cares about except me. Justine says that she's sure Rebecca... I'm sure Rebecca is okay. But okay. she and Lynette... I have, a, I have to copy, copy down the line there. Go. Because this was so funny. Justine says, Rebecca is smart and capable. I'm sure she just fell asleep somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's she literally said that. The of her car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she just... She's smart Lied and capable. I'm sure she just fell asleep somewhere. Asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, That's that is a do. great line. Sorry, anyway, continue. Unbelievable. Oh. Oh. <laughs> she just like Rip Van Winkle that shit. Cut to the courthouse as Paul tells Olivia that Rebecca didn't show up for work. Olivia is worried, and so is Paul. And so endeth our episode. That's it? Praise be to the cove. Where, are, where is she? Five things. <laughs> Dear aunties, what has happened to Rebecca Fenton's Esquire, who just may be my favorite character on the show, I'm realizing. She's, she's pretty great. Let's come up with five possibilities. She's well, the obvious sick, one yeah. is that Gloria's kidnapped her. Yes, Gloria has kidnapped her. her. Yes. Um, I'm sure she just fell asleep somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's number two. She's curled up. Under the bookshelves in the local library. Yeah. Oh. Maybe Gloria's been slowly poisoning her. Oh, that and then happens. she really That's did a fall asleep trip. someplace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lead poisoning. She got a clue at five o'clock at the end of the uh. day and was just like, I have to go follow this clue. So she got on a plane. Uh, yes. She saw someone leaving. Oh, she saw someone leaving um, at the waterway with a flag of a certain... Um, uh, country on it, and so she thought, "Oh, that person's probably going to Greece." Uh, and so then, I gotta go to yeah, Greece. so and then it was just a "Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego?" <laughs> thing, and then she's oh. on Interpol, you know. Nice. Yeah, so she's she's off. She's going to Greece. But she's by, off solving but a mystery. By boat. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so good. All right. What about this? Yeah. Rebecca Jennings gets home from work, and standing on her porch, waiting for her is Eric. No! no! And Eric says, it's you. It's always <laughs> I cannot live another day oh my God. without you. Go ahead and die then. Goodbye. Yeah. Come oh with God. me back to Oklahoma. No. Yeah. You can be the DA of Tulsa. Yeah. They're looking for someone and They're I put your DA. name in. Yeah. Um, and you can and be a stepmom to adopt yeah, the Jordan. Yeah. So there's one of your two kids. And I will adore you forever. I will make you the happiest woman in the world. And Rebecca, because she was sleep deprived, was like, eh, whatever. Okay. All right. I, I mean, I get sure. a good job out of it. Yeah. I'd like um, to be the DA yeah. of somewhere. Yeah. No. no. I love <laughs> it. I can't accept I it. I love <laughs> it. I can't accept it. It's you. Oh, 
It's always been it's you. It's you. It's always been you. It's <laughs> <laughs> you. It's always been you. I still have your chemical. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Oh. Uh, well, I guess I'll Did just Lynette, have to... Huh? Did Lynette kidnap her? Kill what? her? And then just pretend like... Yeah, and then pretend... And then just be the big... Like, she was tired of getting made fun of by Rebecca. She's like, oh, I'll show you. Oh, you, oh you're the alpha, are you? Yeah. Hmm. Well, if she does it, we're going to find out next episode all of the dumbass shit that she did wrong. And then she's going to go to jail forever. Uh, hmm. Lynette's going to start wearing Rebecca's scrunchie. Oh. Um, but yes, you're right. She will have screwed up in some way, and she'll go to big ass way. Jam. Well, this, right. this is going to be five. Really That's all I got. That was an Date incredible recap. recap. I thought that was an amazing story. The ace, like that, was such a good story. It had to be the ace story. Like no, the yeah, disappearance totally of did. Rebecca Jennings yeah. Esquire. How interesting. Now I can't wait to find out what happens in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. There was one point early in that episode when I was recapping, when Gloria, when she had that confrontation with Gloria, where I wrote in my notes, Mm -hmm. if this were a Lifetime movie, Rebecca Jennings would be dead by the end of this episode. Oh, yeah. But then it almost happened, and I was like, whoa. (laughs) Maybe this is Lifetime. Maybe this is Lifetime after all. Yeah. Have fun. But probably not. Next time on No Helmet Required, we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 9. Whoa. I know. Uh, no, Episode 10. Really? No, nine. Episode 9. No, Episode 9? 10, 11, yeah, and 12? Yeah. yeah. No, only 11. <gasps> yeah, just, oh. just a few more. I think it only goes oh, to Oh, you're 11. right. Yeah. <gasps> and then we'll do a wrap-up. Yeah, wrap-wrap-wrap-up. Farewell, dear, dear listener. We advise you to go through life with a crooked smile and a knowing gaze. Please stay roughly within the law and use your down-home common sense. Yay! Yay! Five minutes.